steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. Unbelievable. Vikings win it. Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we are breaking down the Vikings Week 4 matchup with the Houston Texans, which, um, as of this recording, we recorded a day later than we typically would this week to try to you know, gather a little bit more information on what's going down with the COVID situation as a result of what was going on in Tennessee. And, of course, the Vikings played the Titans last week, so they are, by proxy, uh, Part of this issue as well. Uh, to date, what we know is that the Vikings are going to play on Sunday, and henceforth we are recording this podcast as we normally would. Um, and uh, we also know that the Vikings have zero positive tests, which is great to hear as well. So uh, that's where we're at as of this recording. Of course, that uh, the situation is you know still kind of developing, but uh, we'll work with what we have and give you our analysis for what you would see, assuming that the Vikings do ultimately play uh, the game as expected this Sunday. So. Um, let's get it started here right away. Um, we always start with the quarterback and since this is a preview show, we have to start with Houston's quarterback and that's Deshaun Watson, who, um, not off to the hottest start this season. Of course, Houston comes in at zero and three, um, you know, not exactly the whole team, not having the hottest start this year. I don't really think that's a direct reflection of Deshaun Watson, but you know, of course, coming into this year, you know, there are a very small number of quarterbacks who are more impressive um, in terms of the overall skill set, not just being able to throw the ball, not just being able to move maneuver around the pocket, uh, but the, all the different things that they're able to do uh, than Deshaun Watson. I think, in my opinion, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and after that, uh, it's basically Watson is right in the mix with the rest of them. So the Vikings have their hands full, right? Absolutely. And I think it's – I still laugh every time I – think or talk about Sean Watson because of the Bears' decision to not pick him and right. actually do anything I could to pick somebody else by trading three mid-round picks to move up a single spot and then trade or, uh, pick Mitchell Trubisky, who uh, that's clearly not working out. Uh, and Houston is, is it's weird because the Texans are in a very similar situation to the Vikings, right? Uh, both teams had a pretty solid year last year, made the playoffs, won a playoff game, uh, and advanced to the divisional round where they got smoked, right? And both teams did. And then they traded their star receiver in the offseason, right? The Houston, first of all, Bill O'Brien trading Hopkins for what he got in return was absolutely the most insane move I've seen in a long time in the NFL. Right. Besides, like, there's some, you know, really bad trades back in the day for running backs, like Ricky Williams, Hershey, Herschel Walker. But um, that was just absolutely bananas to me, that Bill O'Brien Especially what and, we know now. Like, you know, the what game know was now. different in the 90s. When, when the Vikings traded for Herschel Walker, I mean, obviously we can look back 2020, right? Hindsight's 2020 and say that trade was awful. But, like, at the time, like, the running back position was a huge focal point of the yep. offense. What we know now is, like, if, the, if your running back is your focal point of the offense and you're not the Titans, you're probably losing games. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then <laughs> – well, the, the big part of it was they got David Johnson in return, so that's who we'll talk about. But I just feel bad for Deshaun Watson. Um, I think we all do. 
the guy, I mean, Houston, he took Houston kind of on his, carried the team on his back last year to the playoffs and carried, and they won that division. And, you know, he is, he's kind of that one step below, you know, like Mahomes, you said, and you wonder what he would do in an Andy Reid offense, but instead he's got Bill O'Brien. Instead he has, he used to have DeAndre Hopkins. Now he's got a bunch of guys that were kind of, they've been at one point in their careers hyped out big, right? And that's have since really, they're basically over the hill. Uh, Will Fuller may be an exception to that, but you got Randall Cobb, you got Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, you got Kenny Stills. Like these guys are, they, right. you remember them in college a lot more than you in the NFL, I think, with maybe the exception of Cobb just because of his tenure in Green Bay. So Watson, sure. he will, he will always make the big play or at least try to. Uh, he's never going to check it down. I know this from watching him as my fantasy quarterback last year. The guy didn't check it down. He will hold the ball in the pocket as long as possible. He will make people miss. He will do what he can to throw the ball down the field, and he will not check it down to his running back if he can avoid it. And so that's good and bad, but it does give the Vikings, I think, a big opportunity to get after and maybe tally some sacks this week or to create some turnovers. But, yeah, Watson, is he's a playmaker. He's talented. He's got the arm strength. He's got the leadership qualities. He's got everything. He's just in a really – what I think is a really bad situation right now in Houston. Yeah, the worst the worst thing about Deshaun Watson right now is the team he plays for. To be honest with you, I mean, you look at the you look at the player, right? Like the character traits you just mentioned, the leadership qualities, but of course, like the calmness. You know, I, I don't know if that's like something that you can really calculate. Like, there's not like a there's not a figure for like how you stand in the pocket and you know observe pressure. But it seems like, and I know that and I know that this cliche is overused, but it seems like the game really slows down for Watson. Like he's one of those guys who just kind of does what he wants. You know, he doesn't take stupid sacks. He takes the sacks that are well deserved. Like his you know left tackle just completely missed a guy or whatever it is. Like he doesn't walk into sacks like some quarterbacks do. Um, Kirk, and he, <laughs> you know, does a really good job just manipulating the defense with his eyes too, right? If you look at the way that he goes through his reads, and it's funny that you, you know, you mentioned that him, you, him being your fancy quarterback last year, because the reason why I watched Watson so hard last year is because he was also my fantasy quarterback, and I won a championship last year, by the way. Uh, Same. Same. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But my point being is I, I, I watch this guy in the way that he plays football. Right. And of course, when you have last year, the analysis was, you know, he has DeAndre Hopkins. Why even look anywhere else? Well, he's not the type of guy where it wasn't a Matthew, Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson situation. This wasn't like, you know, uh, like Brady, Randy Moss in 2007. This was like he he would use Hopkins appropriately, right? He he would give him his 10, 12 targets or whatever. But Will Fuller had every shot in the world to succeed last year. He Mm -hmm. just kept getting hurt. And I'm not saying Will Fuller is a bad player. I I will say he has a lot of drops that are, you know, a little bit questionable. And I will say that he's always on the shelf, but he's a talented player nonetheless. Um, But Watson tries to get everyone involved. You look at the tight end position too. uh, Darren Fells. Uh, and Jordan yeah. Atkins both will get targets this week, I'm sure. Um, you mentioned that group of wide receivers, and that core is not particularly special. There's no name that really jumps out at you, at least at this point in their career. Brandon Cooks maybe a couple of years ago. But there is a lot of speed on this offense, right? You look at the ability for, like, you know, Fuller and Stills on the outside with Cooks in the slot. That's like you're not looking at a ton of all-pro nominations, between that group, but that's a disaster for a defensive coordinator, right? Especially one where you can barely play press coverage to keep them off the line of scrimmage because of the way that your cornerbacks have played. Uh, it, it does seem a bit dangerous to me just because of their ability to 
to go deep and for Watson to stand in the prop pocket, wait for the play to develop and throw that ball long. He's been doing it consistently throughout his career, despite the fact that there was questions about his arm strength. And I think that's the reason why the Bears didn't take him too, by the way. Um, he got the noodle arm treatment, kind of like Teddy Bridgewater oh, did, and I, I tend to think he that he beat it Alabama twice, won a national championship. He was I, I I I will never understand that, and I I don't want to be like the hindsight you know the hindsight guy uh, here, but like that was the easiest thing of all time was to say Deshaun Watson was a better prospect than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Mahomes is a little different, a little bit of a wild card, but right. I could not believe people picked anybody would think Trubisky was ahead of Watson at that point, and I, I I'm. You know, I'm, I'm glad he's not in the NFC North because we only have to the Vikings only have to deal with him once every four years at this rate. But my word, that was a humongous miss by the Bears because they would have. I mean, think about Watson being on the Bears in 2018. That could be a Super Bowl winning team. Absolutely. I mean, that was the piece they were missing, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, but as far as Watson on the Texans goes, I mean, you know, he he does have some nice pieces to work with. You do have Laramie Laramie Tunsil on your blind side, right? Um, one of the yeah. better young left tackles in the game and you know relative to the position as a whole where there's what five really good left tackles I consider Townsell to be part of that group so he does have pieces right it's just that Hopkins is gone and David Johnson's in the backfield now and so without Hopkins you just basically got a bunch of guys who are flash in the pan receivers right there's no possession receiver on this team unless you want to consider Randall Cobb to be one uh, and he's a pure slot receiver, especially at this point in his career. I know that he, you know, every once in a while makes a splash play still, but he's not as dangerous as he was when he's, you know, when we followed him when he was in Green Bay. And the other guys on this roster, I mean, Fuller and Stills are just basically nine route guys. And Cooks is, I, I think that Cooks is past his prime a little bit. His speed is not as dangerous as he used to be. I, I don't want to completely trash him because of how much talent that he does have, but I don't think he's a 4-3 guy anymore. Um, he's not a track star anymore, and I don't think he's a possession receiver either. So I don't really know how well Cooks is tra- – like, I don't know how long Cooks' skill set translates long-term for him. Obviously, you know, if he can keep himself – in incredible condition and continue to be, you know, as athletic as he has shown his, you know, throughout his career in what New Orleans, Tampa Bay or New Orleans, New England and Los Angeles beforehand. But to date, it's, you know, this group has got a lot of question marks, but for the Vikings, of course, also have a lot of question marks in the secondary. Now, right. The X factor, I think here is David Johnson, just because now we've mentioned that the Johnson trade was stupid, right? But it's stupid in principle because you don't trade the best receiver in football. I think that's debatable, but basically you don't like, trade him. It's, it's just plus when you look at what the Vikings got for Diggs, and that wasn't even a smart trade, like giving right. Diggs up and they got a fourth, first and a second and a fourth and a sixth or whatever. That got way more than the Texans got for Hopkins. That was dumb. And I mean, we're talking hindsight, but and now you have the Texans. What they get, like David Johnson in a second, and something else. Like that's it. That's it. That's that. That's so bad. And David Johnson is a really good running back. Really He's good. Coming off of an ACL, what two yeah. years ago, right? He's two years removed from ACL injury. Hasn't looked the same. This is not an Adrian Peterson situation with David Johnson. It's the ACL injury. That knee has been shredded so many times over at this point that you have to wonder about his durability and his long-term stability in this league. But when the ball is in his hand and you can get – and the the biggest piece with David Johnson is that you can get the ball in his hand in a lot of different ways, right? He can catch the ball in the backfield. He runs routes, right? Uh, He can go outside. He can go up the middle. Um, He is a – you know, he's a full-service running back, you know, 
can play on all three downs. He can beat you in a lot of different ways. But the question marks remain about, you know, can this guy take 20 carries in the game? I, I'm skeptical. And I'm not saying he's not talented, but again, we're, I don't want to judge him based off of the trade because he had no part in that, right? Like, he's still a quality player. It's just that w- relative to that trade and what we know about what Bill O'Brien yeah. to, did to, you know, kind of kneecap this offense, it gives a bad perception of David Johnson. But I do think that ultimately he is the most dangerous player that the Vikings will face this week with the exception to Deshaun Watson, of course, because of, first of all, the Vikings have not handled the running game very well. Right. Um, and second, second of all, I mean, this is a guy who can he can beat you in different ways. Bar, you're going to have Eric Wilson on him a couple times in the coming out of the scares me a little bit. Uh, the fact that the Vikings have not done a good job up the middle, that scares me a little bit. And the fact that the two defensive ends on the outside, one of them is not named Daniel Hunter. And the other one has a reputation for being a bit of a slacker in run defense and in Gakwe. So uh, it concerns me because of the way that Bill O'Brien is old school and he's going to attack running the football. He, you know, I think that that's the recipe to beat the Vikings right now, to have it all purpose back. And that scares me heading into this game. Well, and one of the other things too, that I've noticed is that the Vikings defense has struggled against mobile quarterbacks too. Um, That's another thing that we should probably discuss because Watson will for sure use his legs. He will improvise. Um, quite, you know, he's really kind of an opposite of of Cousins in terms of uh, taking what the play gives you. Like Cousins will, uh, you know, run the play to a script. You know, if his first or second read's not there, automatically checking it down if he's not sacked already, right? He's going to stay in the pocket. He's going to, he's not going to make a play happen out of nothing. Whereas Watson will basically do anything he can to make a play from nothing. Will improvise, will run out of the pocket, will scramble. Uh, and so that, and that type of thing seems to like, this Vikings cornerback group is already very depleted. They're hurt, plus they're super young and inexperienced. And then asking him to cover for more than three, four seconds, which is going to happen on several occasions because Watson will jump out of the pocket, move right or left, and, and extend plays. That's just a lot to ask. So that my, my biggest concern, I know you said to run game a lot, and David Johnson for sure is a threat there as you know, the interior of the Vikings has been quite brutal so far against running backs. But I think the big thing I'm going to be looking for is watching extending plays and making a, you know, uh, extending a play and making it, you know, a turn from a, what would be like a six yard check down uh, under Kirk Cousins to like a 45 yard deep, deep shot to, you know, Randall Cobb or, or Fuller or somebody. So there's, those are the two things I think to think about. I mean, these, like you said, the receivers aren't super threatening. Uh, they just, they have experience. And I think they're going to use that. Plus, they do have some speed still, too. I think they're going to use those two things to take advantage of this really young and beat-up cornerback group. I'm, I'm nervous about going over the top as well, right? Um, you, if you look at yeah. the, quote, fake, kind of fake injury report that the Vikings released, right? Uh, Mike, Hughes was list, Mike Hughes was listed as DNP. Chris Boyd, DNP, probably for the best that he doesn't play after last week anyways. And then and Cameron Dantzler was limited. So the Vikings are going to be down to Holton Hill. And whoever else shows up right now, Harrison Hand. (laughs) Harrison Hand. Okay, so you know, and like I just said, Watson spreads the ball around. You look at these target numbers, right? Cobb, thirteen. Fuller, fifteen. Cooks, eighteen. Atkins, twelve. Johnson, eleven. All those guys are in double digits, right? They they love to spread the ball around, and that doesn't even include Kenny Stills, who's at nine, or Darren Fells, who's at eight, right? 
they're, they're going to be all over the place here, and I don't know if the Vikings have enough talent on defense right now, whether it's injuries or just simply non like kind of a lack of development to date, right? I mean, I don't like Jeff Gladney on any of these cor- on any of these receivers. I don't really like Holton Hill either. You know, I, I'm I'm looking at this depth chart, and it just doesn't really match up that well for what the Vikings' strengths are. And through the first three weeks, the Vikings have allowed a lot of deep passes over the top, and that's what that's really the only thing that Will Fuller, Fuller does better than everyone. And same can be said for Kenny Stills to a degree as well. Those guys can both run those nines very, very well. And if you run them enough times, recent history has shown the Vikings are eventually going to give one up. And that makes me nervous because when you have a quarterback like Watson, who, as you said, can manipulate the pocket, move around, extend plays, they might get open more often than not. And uh, Chris Thomason might be asking Mike Zimmer about his the worst defense of all time next week as well. So, by the way, did you see Zimmer snap back at him the other day? Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. I was, it, it's a long time coming between him and Thomason. So, I think um, it's still ongoing. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the yeah. most uh, intriguing matchup of the rest of the year now for this Vikings team that's no longer making the playoffs is Zimmer versus Thomason. <laughs> that's great. Great content. Uh, the last piece that I'll note on the Texas offense is that Duke Johnson, uh, who, of course, is David Johnson's kind of handcuff, right? Uh, he's limited participant in practice as well. So um, last week, it was just the David Johnson show. Uh, this week, you, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can take some pressure off of Johnson and, um, with another Johnson, I guess. It's just kind of it's just very, very confusing with Duke Johnson and David Johnson. But you see my point, right? Uh, so that's about where we stand at the offense. Keep an eye on Deshaun Watson. David Johnson can beat you based off of what the Vikings try to do. Offensive line is pretty nice with Laramie Tunsil and Nick Martin specifically. I think that Titus Howard and Zach Fulton on the right side are vulnerable. So I would keep an eye on Ngakwe moving to that side. And the receivers, of course, we've mentioned on multiple occasions, have skill sets that are dangerous but a little bit limited. There's no all-around receiver on this unit as far as I'm concerned. So that all being said, let's move to the defensive side of the ball here and how the Vikings will have to attack this unit. So... Defensive coordinator is Anthony Weaver. He is running a 3-4 style defense as well, something the Vikings have shockingly kind of faced a lot of this year. Um, You don't see 3-4s as much as I think you used to, but nonetheless, uh, J.J. Watt remains out there, of course, one of the most dangerous players in the game. Uh, But next to him on the interior is Brandon Dunn and then Charles Omenahue, who I'm not super familiar with as well. P.J. Hall is also on this team and will play some snaps. Uh, But really, when you look at that front three, um, you know, with the exception of Watt, it's not too scary, but is Watt enough to be terrified knowing what we do and knowing that, you know, Watt is a guy who slides from that seven to five to three all the time, and they can kind of match him up with the weakest offensive line on the Vikings unit, which, I mean, you kind of pick your poison at this point. It seems to be the most... I would say, based off of my viewing of the Vikings, that moving him a little bit further inside could spell real yeah. trouble for the Vikings, assuming Weaver likes to, you know, decides to maneuver him in that fashion. Right. That's the big concern is, you know, J.J. Watt at, are playing against a, a guard at this point or lined up against a guard. Um, those individual matchups, if they're individual, now you'd, you'd like to get some help on, you know, help right. for Samia or, uh, you know, uh, Dozier in there. But um, that's that's the big issue this front if you will for Houston so I mean here's the thing I think this is going to be a shootout I don't I'm not super impressed with either defense right now and I think both offenses can score on these defenses and so uh, I think 
you just get some outside zones uh, working with Dalvin Cook, which doesn't seem to be a problem or hasn't been all year at this point. Mm-hmm. He's been successful in the run game. It's just those first they just never got it off the ground because they were behind so quickly. So I have no, you know, I have all the confidence in the world in the Vikings running game, the inside or the uh, outside zone stuff, and then working that play action into it. I think the Vikings will put up points in this game. I don't have any concerns about that. Uh, and I think outside of J.J. Watt, I think this offensive line can handle uh, the Houston front. So the other, the second level of this defense is kind of where the teeth is, in my opinion. Of course, J.J. Watt's the best player on this unit, no contest, right? But the teeth, I think, lies with Zach Cunningham, who has had a very kind of up-and-down start to this year, but remains, in my opinion, uh, one of the best coverage linebackers in the game. But he plays right next to Bernard Bernardrick McKinney, who is a complete liability in coverage, an outstanding downfield tackler. You know, I remember when we were covering McKinney when he was coming out as a rookie, um, he was a guy that I compared to Brandon Spikes, If you, for our listeners that remember him, a guy that plays super well downhill but really can't do a whole lot else. And in this NFL – McKinney's skill set just doesn't really exist as much anymore. But then you've also got Whitney Merciless, who comes off the edge. He'll put his hand on the dirt. He'll line up in a two-point stance as well, and he can line up on each side of the formation. So I would keep an eye on 59 specifically and Merciless, but keep an eye on Cunningham as well, covering players like Dalvin Cook um, or, uh, you know, the tight end position as well. Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith hasn't really gotten off to a hot start this year either, and I could see a way. I could see a reason for that not continuing, um, kind of based on the second level of the defense. The final name that I didn't mention mention in that three four is Brennan Scarlett, who I'm not super familiar with, and I would be, I'd be you know a little bit more concerned with the other three names here, specifically Merciless and Cunningham. Right, Cunningham's a big one. Uh, I remember him uh, coming out of college was super Vanderbilt. rangy, reminded yeah, super rangy and had that coverage ability. So that's the big one, and it seems like he's a in a way, like a Kendrick's light, uh, if you will, kind of he'll he'll like if the Vikings were to design some pass plays for Cook or something like that out of the backfield, that'd be the guy to watch uh, to you know go sideline and sideline and take care of that one. So that's the big one there, and like you said, still like you know rush to passer and uh, the Vikings have to watch for him too on the edge. But uh, outside of Cunningham, again, I'm not super concerned about this defense, and I think the Vikings will be able to get there as if they can you know scheme around. Cunningham and maybe avoid super, I guess, just as long as Kirk pays attention to Cunningham, you know, in the flats, I guess, to Cook maybe, or if he checks it down, just be aware of that, because Kirk does like to check it down sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes, right. Um, And then you get to the secondary here, which is, um, in my personal not so humble opinion, not very strong, right? You've got Vernon Hargraves, who, of course, is a former first-round pick, former Florida player that came out with a lot of hype. The hype has since diminished substantially. He's bounced around the NFL, and he lands with Houston. And I believe it's either him or Roby, who is your number one corner. Uh, I don't really consider either one of those guys to be in that class. Um, Hargraves is kind of the specific target here for me personally because of his size, right? Uh, You look at Hargraves, I believe he stands at 5'9 on a good day. So keep an eye on that matchup specifically. Bradley Roby, a little bit more dangerous based on his stature. I think that he'll probably draw Adam Thielen in this matchup. And then the two safeties, Justin Reed, personally, I think he's a little bit over the hill. And then Eric Murray, uh, who we should be familiar with, um, not exactly the, you know, a superstar out there either. So that secondary, in my opinion, is the greatest weakness here. Of course, that's connected very strongly to the pass rush, as we always, you know, make a point of noting. Um, So if the Vikings are able to slow down Watt, Watt and Merciless specifically, 
you should be able to take some shots. I, I expect that the play action will work this week. I think that Har- Hargraves is a guy who gambles because he can't really do anything super – like that's kind of his game at this point. He's not – Hargraves can get, get beaten one-on-one on a not-so-perfect throw, right, just because of his size, because of his – you know, his career to date suggests that he is a guy that you can take advantage of, right? That's the, that's the point that I'm trying to get to here. And the secondary, um, assuming that Kirk has time, assuming that Kirk, you know, not just has time but like – finds time for himself as well this mm-hmm. is a this is a secondary in my opinion that could easily be exposed by the vikings offense i am very curious about justin jefferson and the sort of encore performance after last week because right. it was it was kind of strange to see the target share he got or guys being targeted so heavily out of it seemed like nowhere and if they're going to follow up with that because Dylan wasn't very involved last week which was kind of strange uh and so You'd think he would maybe get more involved again this week, and Jefferson would maybe take a not a backseat, but you know you wouldn't see that kind of production again. But who knows? I think either way, those guys can take advantage of these corners. I think Thielen in particular, whoever matches up against him, I think he's going to be able to win if he's not bracketed. So I think one of those guys is in for another big performance. I don't know which one it'll be, but I think Jefferson's coming out party. I think there's the potential for another similar performance this week. Um, and then I do think, you know, with their, depending on what Cunningham's doing, if he's eyed on cook, you know, I think there's also the potential for like an Irv Smith or Kyle Rudolph to, uh, get some key conversions in there as well. And they'll be targeted a little bit. Absolutely. So you kind of look at this comprehensive overview, right? You know, you've got some major, major, major playmakers and guys like Watson and Watt, right? But then the, the drop off from those two players on both sides of the ball, is pretty substantial. You know, I mean, you've got some nice pieces. I, you know, we mentioned Merciless, we mentioned Johnson, but like after that, like there, there are, there are a lot of key player, I guess, key positions that the Vikings theoretically could expose, right? Heading into this matchup, I mean, two O and three teams, two teams that are playing well below kind of their expectations. I think a lot of us expected Houston to drop off a little bit, but not this much, right? Um, this seems like a game that the Vikings could actually win, right? Get a get yeah. a W on the board here before, well, I guess September did already end, but get a, get a W on the board to start October, right? I mean, it, it, and it, it might be their last shot for a while too with some of the matches they have coming up. So they do have Atlanta. I, they do have Atlanta in a couple of weeks. <laughs> we'll so, find a way. Well, with the exception of Atlanta, I think we could say that comfortably, right? But uh, yeah, I think these teams are very similar right now. Uh, I think, you know, it's almost like Houston is the AFC Minnesota right now in terms of the the trajectory of the team, right? Like, there are some key veterans that have been with the team for a while, but it's kind of they're losing their luster, right? You think of, like, Whitney Merciless is one of those guys. J.J. Watt is starting to become one of those guys. Like, right. they've been with the team long enough, and it's starting to kind of uh, lose. That's is losing. They're losing their luster. They're not as effective as maybe in their primes. And I think you see that with the Vikings, maybe Harrison Smith a little bit, although he's had a great start to this year. But um, and so it's they're very similar. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of wild that and it sucks for Deshaun Watson because the guy was they, they drafted him, they set him up well with DeAndre Hopkins, things are looking good. They were ten and six last year, and uh, they just look so bad so far. And it's not just that trade with the Hopkins trade. That's not the only thing contributing to it, but. Uh, defensively, they're they're not great. They're allowing, I think both teams are allowing 3.0 points per drive defensively. And so that's not great. So 
this is going to be a, I think, a shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think you start these guys in fantasy if you got them on your rosters. Um, yep. I'm excited for some points. I would imagine the team that tries to lose, at, it, it, there's not the team, they're both going to try to lose at the end of this game. So <laughs> it's going to be entertaining in that fashion. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So with all that being said, let's get uh, let's get into our picks here, starting with this matchup. You know, I think that, you know, we went through kind of the the ups, the ups and downs and then kind of I think we arrived at the point that it this seems like a game where, you know, the team who has the ball last is probably going to have an opportunity to win this football game. So I ask you then who's going to be the team that has the ball last and who gets this thing done in week four? Well, to a point, you know, the team that has the ball last will win, right? Because we saw that last week when the Vikings had the ball last, it didn't go so hot. Right. Uh, I'm going to pick Houston, and I'm simply picking them because of the quarterback position right now. I think everything else is more or less equal. Uh, that I think, I mean, I, I like Minnesota's running game better, but I still believe the aerial attack is what wins in the NFL today. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pick Watson just because of the quarterback edge that Houston will have in this game. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm... I'm going to pick against the Vikings until pretty much until I see a win at this point. Okay. So I'm going to pick the Vikings here, despite every comment that I've made over the last week or so about this organization. Um, the, my standing being here that everything I've said about the Vikings, I could probably also say about Houston for the most part. They yeah, have with the exception of quarterback, with the exception of the quarterback position. Right. So I'm going into this with the kind of, under the position that Kirk Cousins is going to figure it out this week a little bit. You know, we mentioned on the last show that it was, what, week four last year where Kirk Cousins trying to at least uh, threw our minds for a loop for a little bit there and made us think that he could potentially lead us to a Super Bowl. Um, I, I think that this is an opportunity for, like, he needs to come out good in this game, right? If Cousins oh, yeah. comes out with another dumpster fire, Minnesota's going to burn. You know, it, it's Which, not... It, it, he's been in this position in Minnesota before where kind of a, sort of a back-against-the-wall deal, I think, last year after the Chicago game, came out on fire and responded right. well. So it's not like, you know, he's responded well to something similar before, but it's almost like last week should have been that game, and it wasn't. So um, I don't know. The thing with Kirk, he, I, I'm with you, right? Like, it's tough to trust him, but I think if, I, I've given up my homerism for the season. Fair enough. All right, let's uh, quickly work through the rest of these matchups here. I'm taking Minnesota Drews on Houston. It's the first time we're split on a Vikings game this year. Uh, To give you an idea of where we stand heading into week four, uh, I am leading by three games at 31 and 17. Drews at 28 and 20. Uh, Coming off of a 10 and 6 week for myself, an 8 and 8 week for Drew. Um, and it starts with the Thursday night game, which as of this, you know, when you listen to the show, um, this game will have already happened. But um, you got the absolute barn burner of Denver and the New York Jets happening tonight. Um, again, we're recording on Thursday. So that's what I mean when I say tonight. So who you got over Broncos and Jets? Can I say no? Do I have to pick one of these teams to win? <laughs> I mean, I did give us both losses last week for picking Cincinnati because they tied. So, I mean, if you want to pick a tie here and try to get a W that way, be my guest. But I, I, I'm going to go with Denver. Uh, I think they're just the better organization right now. The Jets are, have been so bad for so long, and at least the Broncos have showed a glimpse of competitiveness. So I'm going to go with the Broncos. Sounds good. I'm going to go with the Broncos as well. Uh, again, I think that um, I think the Jets have the better quarterback here. So generally, I would pick the Jets. But the Jets. I don't are know if they disaster. do. Though. 
I don't know if they do though. Dude, who's the? I don't even know the guy that. It's Brett Rip Ripian Ripian. I don't even. I don't even know the. Ripian. Yeah, I'm still gonna pick Denver because the Jets are such a dumpster fire right now. So, rolling with Denver, leading us to Indianapolis at Chicago. Uh, Foles is starting now. That's really the biggest change here, and of course, Chicago's three zero right now. Uh, they can't keep winning, right? Like they keep. They're that's the least impressive three zero start I maybe have ever seen. Uh, was it week one? They had that miraculous win because Detroit collapsed. Right. Week two, they beat the Giants by the you know by a small margin. I think it was a the Giants had a chance to win it at the eight yard line or something at the end, didn't score. Uh, and then last week, another epic collapse by their, by their opponent. So they're I, I can't see this continuing. I'm going to pick the Colts because of that. Uh, so I normally do my picks before we get on the show here. And that's literally the reason why I'm picking Indianapolis as well. It's not because I think that Indianapolis is a better team. It's because I just don't think Chicago is can continue with this. Now that all being said, Nick Foles has proved me wrong on how many different occasions. So uh, yeah. take that with a grain of salt, but both Drew and I rolling with Indy this week. Um, kind of a lot of bad games this week here. Looking at this, uh, this schedule here. The next one is Jacksonville and Cincinnati. Joe Burrow looking for his first win. He got his first non-loss last week, um, and Jacksonville, of course, got crushed by Miami. See, I, I bleed in Jacksonville for a little bit, and they did what they did last week against Miami. So I'm going to go with the Bengals, and I'm going to roll with Joe Burrow to get his first win. Yep, I'm going to take Cincinnati as well. I'm with you. I think that there's a bit of a fluke to start the year, and everything that those players who left Jacksonville um, were saying was actually more factual. Probably. Than kind of the- there's probably some truth to it when that many players say something, right? Especially good players, right? Um, next one here, which could be fun, has the potential to be fun in Cleveland versus Dallas. They're playing down in Texas, of course. Uh, Cleveland is, has a winning record for the first time. in, I think I saw like since like I can't remember the number, but it's been a long time. Right. It's been a long time. They have mm-hmm. a winning record at two and one. And they head to Dallas, who, you know, Dallas is doing the Dallas thing again, where they're kind of up and down. Dak's trying to kind of figure himself out or not necessarily himself, but trying to figure out what he's got with his roster here. Uh, who he got in this one? I'm going to take Cleveland, I think. Uh, I keep, I, I'm hanging on way too long to the Browns in terms of like the belief in Baker. And I, I, the Baker and Odell relationship has to work out at some point, right? And the Dallas defense has been allowing yards and points at a pretty high rate so far this season. So I'm going to go with the Browns kind of pulling upset and maybe I'm assuming you'll pick Dallas. I'm going to kind of hope I can grab a game on you here. I'm going to take Dallas, yeah. Um, I just, I have no confidence. I mean, I picked Cleveland last week because they're playing Washington, who I have even less confidence in. But until I see something from Baker Mayfield again, like the guy that was around his rookie season, I, I have a very difficult time playing, you know, picking his team against a competent um, organization, which it's a little questionable to say that about Dallas, I guess. But they do have a, you know, a, a ton of really good playmakers on their team. And I think that Dak. I mean, Dallas should be. It should be really good. Point, right. So it, it, it should, should be, also be without. Clean out. Right, they should be three and zero, but I'm just I'm, my thought was about the Falcons collapse in week two. Right, of course that should have been a loss, and they should be zero three right now. It's a fair point. All right, the next one here potential for another shootout: Matthew Stafford versus Drew Brees. New Orleans heads heads over to Detroit. Um, Detroit coming off a big win against Arizona, and New Orleans, of course, coming off that loss against Green Bay. So the Saints are just not impressive to me right now, and for that reason, I'm going to pick the home team. Uh, I'm going to pick the Lions. It's a little bit of an upset. Actually, it's a pretty darn big upset. But the Saints are just I, – I, without Michael Thomas, it just seems like the only reliable offensive play the Saints can 
to do right now is just a check down to Kamara and hope he busts the 50-yard run after the catch, which doesn't seem sustainable. So I'm going to go with the Lions, and it's just mostly because I think the Saints are just going to – I think their run of success is over. So I'm going to take the Saints. I'm going to hang on a little bit longer here, but I will note that I think that Drew Brees looked a little bit washed last week, especially early on in that Very. game. Very. Very. Right. Um, and Detroit, I mean, they're coming off of a win. They have to lose, right? I'm taking New Orleans. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, the, next, the next one here is Seattle at – going to move forward yep, with this one. Uh, both of us moving with Seattle there. Uh, the next one here, Tom Brady is facing off against the Chargers, I believe. Yeah. Uh, we got Tampa Bay is <laughs> Tampa Bay's facing off against the Chargers this week. So you got Justin Herbert, I believe pretty close to the youngest starter of the NFL versus pretty close to the oldest starter of the NFL and Tom Brady. I'll stick with Brady here. Um, but I do like, I do like Herbert's game so far. Um, I think he's, he's going to be a lot better than I think I, at least I thought, uh, but with that said, I'm going to stick with Brady in this matchup, but I think it'll be close. I'm also going to go with Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm not betting against Brady um, until, you know, until disaster truly strikes. I mean, that offense has got, it's loaded, right? And it seems like he started to figure it out. So I'm going to go with Tampa Bay for the foreseeable future here. Uh, the next one on the docket is Baltimore at Washington. Uh, I'm going to move forward here. I'm assuming we're going Baltimore. Yeah. Unless you have a discrepancy there. All right, Baltimore, Baltimore for the both of us. bad for what it's worth, but maybe that's just what happens when you play the Chiefs. I think that's probably the case here. I would look for them to rebound. Um, Arizona at Carolina is the next one here. Could be an interesting matchup. Carolina coming off of a big one. Um, Arizona coming off of a bad loss. Does Kyler Murray get it done against Teddy Bridgewater or vice versa? I got Teddy. That is simply a biased pick. I got Teddy. <laughs> I'm going to take Arizona just because I think that last week against Detroit was more of a fluke. I think that Carolina is, you know, hurting more than I think that we think, you know, based off of Christian McCaffrey not being there. I don't see Mike Davis being able to replicate the production that he gave him last week. Um, I'm going to take Arizona. Uh, that leads us to another kind of mismatch here. Uh, I know that the Rams are coming off of a, a loss here, but it was, it was against a good team, right? Uh, but they're playing the Giants this week, so I feel like we could probably move forward here. Rams, yeah. The Giants <laughs> are – if there's this, an organization <sighs> – I want to say something funny about how the Giants are actually the best organization in New York because they're, they are technically because the Jets are even <laughs> worse somehow. But, yeah, the Giants are also just really bad right now. All right, so Drew and I are rolling with the Rams. That moves us to New England at Kansas City, which is one of the few good matchups this week. Um, are you going to stick with Patrick Mahomes, or does Cam Newton put a dent in that resume that he's building so far this year? I'd pick the Chiefs against any team at any location. So I'm yep. picking the Chiefs. I am with you, especially after the performance last week, putting up, what, 27 points. Should have been 30 in the first half of play against what we considered to be a top three defense in the NFL. Yep. I'm rolling with the Chiefs as well. Uh, another one that could be fun. Uh, Buffalo is playing against Las Vegas, who has been a lot better than I think we both of us gave him credits for. Uh, but Buffalo is, you know, I know that Josh Allen has question marks, but he is definitely a bona fide MVP candidate through the first month of the season. He's dealing. Uh, I've been, I look, my takes on Josh Allen look pretty bad right now. Uh, so, and he and Stefan Diggs have already figured some stuff out. So I'll pick the bills and I think I will for the foreseeable future. Those guys, they got something right now. I will also be taking Buffalo. Um, I, I think that Vegas is on the cusp of getting it, uh, of kind of getting it together. Um, I don't think they're quite there. I'm not ready to buy in fully. I am ready to buy in fully with the bills. By the way, so what's pretty funny last week, apparently, and I saw a clip, a few clips of this on Twitter, Belichick 
noticed that Derek Carr checks it down so much that he double teamed the check down out of the backfield <laughs> for Derek Carr. And he would just sit there in the pocket with nothing to do and would scramble or throw it away or something. That's the most funny, hilarious, but also genius thing I've ever seen. I mean, was he wrong? <laughs> no, not, not at all. Um, all right, so we're both rolling on Buffalo. Last two uh, matchups of the week here, since we don't get that third one because Tennessee and Pittsburgh are postponed. Philadelphia depleted, of course. Carson Wentz not playing great. San Francisco depleted even more so. But Nick Mullins, man, I mean, is he better than Jimmy Garoppolo? I think there's a real argument at this point. Oh, my God. That based is, on his you, play. You'd be careful. You'd be careful. You, you need to be careful with that one. Uh, I'm taking the 49ers just because you, you see some numbers on Twitter about how bad Wentz has been, like – and I haven't actually yeah. looked at anything. This is purely scrolling Twitter. So what's what do I actually know? But he, he's the worst passer in the pocket so far, or from a clean pocket, and it's not even close. Uh, his passer rating is like 68 from a clean pocket, and that's not, not good. a great start. Uh, it seems like he's deteriorating quickly. So uh, despite the injuries for the San Francisco 49ers, you got to pick them because they're just a, so much more uh, and better uh, run well run oil machine right now. I don't know what the word the phrase is, but you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. I'm going to move with San Francisco as well, which brings us to our last game of the week here. It's the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons against the Atlanta Falcons this week. So, I mean, Falcons are beating themselves literally every single week. As you've noted multiple times, they are being accused of literally trying to lose games. Uh, I mean, Green Bay is rolling. Is this a matchup on Monday night? It sounds good on paper based off of the talent that will be in the building. But Atlanta is like, they inspire no confidence right now. No. And elite Aaron Rodgers is back, which is terrifying for Tennessee North, but also the conference in general. Like that guy, for whatever reason, he just decided after two or three years of decline, you know what? I think I want to light up the league again. And so he's he's doing it, and I don't see the Falcons of, any, of all teams stopping him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Green Bay as well. I, I'm, I'm with you. Elite Aaron Rodgers is definitely back, and I think that he will be able to manipulate that defense with his will. So, um that rounds out our picks for the week, um, and I believe that wraps up the show. Do you got any final thoughts for me before I close this thing out? I don't. Uh, I, I do. I do want to say this though. The it's so. I don't know if there's going to be any punishment for the Titans and the COVID stuff, but it's a little weird how like it seems like it's being brushed under the rug that you know Mike Vrabel knew. knew that his off outside linebacker coach was positive, and then he's out there. You know, shaking hands with Mike Zimmer after the game and stuff, yeah. which and I'd, whether you believe, you know, if the if it's deadly, if it can be transmitted through a shake, handshake, I don't even know the science behind it. I'm, I know it's it's clearly contagious and stuff, but it's not a good look when, you know, your your coworker had it and you've been associated with him and you there's a chance you have it. And then you go and shake the hand of a head coach who is older, who is, you know, has pre-existing conditions. That's that's something that I feel like it's being swept under the rug a lot more than maybe it should be. But that's the the final comment I guess I have. Fair enough. All right, then. Well, that wraps up our week of shows, then. Uh, We will be back next week, hopefully, to discuss a Vikings win. Um, Until then, though, you can continue to check out the content available on Daily Norseman as well as the Climbing the Pocket Network. Everyone's putting out content every single day of the week, so you get new, fresh content, not just from Drew and myself, but from the rest of the team as well. Um, If you're looking for the show, of course, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you look for your podcast, and you can watch us on video as YouTube as well. And with all that being said, uh, thank you for listening as always, and we will catch you next week.